Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program? Glad to have you. Uh, in about 225, I'm going to send out the Thanksgiving list of links to recipes uh, that I make. Instead of just resending the recipes, I'm going to say I've already written them out, so I'm just going to send them. If you text the word recipe, plural, I'm sorry, singular, singular, R-E-C-I-P-E, singular, recipe, to the number 33777, I've got my gravy recipe that you're really going to want to make. It is easy. It is not hard. I take you step by step through it. Turns out perfect every time. You could even use uh, store-bought chicken stock for it. It's very easy and tasty. Uh, the gravy recipe is there, how I make my turkey brine, how I smoke my turkey, how I turn the turkey leftovers into gumbo, uh, even uh, breakfast recipes. If you got friends and family coming to stay with you, one sweet, one savory, a French coast casserole and a sausage egg bake, and then a sugar cookie recipe my mother-in-law gave me that is super easy. Uh, I mean, really, it is the easiest recipe, uh, the sugar cookie. When you use self-rising flour, um, all you do is text the word recipe singular to 33777. You'll get those recipes at about 225. I will email everybody in the next commercial break. Now, I want to move on and I want to talk about something somewhat difficult. Not really, but it is. Okay. I'm starting to chicken out before I even get into this topic. <laughs> um, have you paid attention to the National Football League this year? So let me let me give you some backstory here. I was never a big sports ball person. I never really sat around and watched football or baseball. Baseball's kind of boring to watch if we're honest about it. I mean, I love to go to the games but it can be kind of boring, but I just never sat around. It seemed like a waste of time to me. Uh, there was so much other stuff to be done. And at some point you, you hit middle age, I guess, and it just kind of clicked. You know what? I would really like to sit on my porch on Saturday and watch college football. And on Sunday nights, probably about Philip, how long ago was it? Two, three years ago, Philip started coming over and on Sunday nights, we would watch football together and have a couple of cigars, some glasses of bourbon, and kind of reset the week, plan the week, talk about work, talk about life, talk about nothing in particular. Sometimes you just sit there in silence watching football. And the two of us became three of us, became four of us, became a, a, a rotating cast of friends who need a break. I, it became very mindful to me, I, I'm very mindful, four, Philip says, four years. My goodness, uh, it's a tradition we've kept up. Sunday nights are kind of sacrosanct now for both of us. On Sunday nights, our families know we're going to sit on the front porch and we're going to watch football or hockey or baseball, preferably not, um, unless uh, our our finance director is there. <laughs> His wife says we've been doing it for 15 years now. But we sit on the front porch and just it's a good way to unwind. And, and I invite friends down on occasion who just need a break. Because you, you gotta, we are all so digital these days. Our closest relationships these days seem to be our texting friends who we never see in person. So being deliberate about it and sitting on the front porch and watching football, it, it's not something I ever enjoyed doing early in life, but it's a good way to just kind of pause the day 
and relax and unwind with friends and and watch a game. So I'm only recently really I've I've always kind of kept up with the scores of the teams but never really paid much attention to it, but I am now. And in so doing on these Sunday nights and occasionally now I'll sit on the porch or it's gotten cold so I'll sit on the back porch where there's a heater and watch the uh, Monday night game or the Thursday night game now on Amazon, which they're never really good after the first one. But there's been this recurring pattern of late. The old guys don't know when to get off the stage. Tom Brady came back. Now, Tom Brady, in fairness, is going through a divorce. He's got a lot going on, but his head doesn't seem to be in the game, nor does his body for that much. He's... He's over, four, he's what, 44 years old, oldest quarterback. He's a very good football player, but he just seems like, you know, it was kind of sad. He said he was going away, and then he came back, and he's come back, and he kind of sucks now. His team's not doing great. And then there's my team. I, I own the Green Bay Packers. I am an owner of the Green Bay Packers. I actually am. Not making that up. And on our team, um, our quarterback can't seem to let go either. Aaron Rodgers, in fairness to him, is surrounded by a team that doesn't seem to know what they're doing. He seems to be the only person on the team, and he and the coach together seem to be coaching the team. They are trying to get the team to work. But it's kind of sad to see. When do you know to leave? In the dark night, there's that line, die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. When do you know to step away from the game? And we're seeing this play out in the NFL. Some of the longtime quarterbacks, um, what's his name from the Steelers is finally gone, Ben. He's He finally left, and boy, the Steelers, they could probably use him. Brady doesn't seem to know when to let go. Neither does Aaron Rodgers. Patrick Mahomes is, is kind of ha- at the halfway point. You got some young guys coming in now who are, are intriguing quarterbacks, but none of the new young quarterbacks have the star power of the old guys, and the old guys just aren't doing it great these days. When is it time to retire? You know, you see this in talk radio. Um, when is it time to retire? You want to retire on the top of your game. How do you know it's the top of your game? I don't know that you do know. I heard the other day about a, a a guy in radio who is kind of being put out to pasture. His ratings have gone down and down and down and, and put out to pasture. I, I worked with a guy who will go nameless, who over time, his heart just wasn't in his talk radio show. And it went from being a big syndicated show to having to go to a fallback syndicator to another fallback syndicator to a two-hour show to a one-hour show to commentaries to just fade away. Worked with another guy. Uh, who decided to retire at the top of his game and then decided he wanted to get back in it. The moment the microphone turns off, it's the most remarkable thing, with the exception of someone like Rush Limbaugh, who we all miss to this day. Most people in talk radio, the moment the microphone goes off and they step away, it's like, who is that? Oh, wait, we got to turn on the radio. There's the new guy we're, we're talking about. And people move on and no one wants to be forgotten. And I think about that when I think about these politicians. You've got Nancy Pelosi is 82 years old. Joe Biden is 80 years old. Mitch McConnell is 80 years old. 
Donald Trump is 76. He'll be Joe Biden's age when Joe Biden ran for president in 2020. Donald Trump will be 78 years old. Joe Biden turned 80 years old the day of the, or the, the season of the midterms. Donald Trump would do the same thing. It's the boomers. Can we not say, okay, boomer, time to go? And I don't mean offense to any of you who are older, seasoned citizens. But can we not hand America over to a younger generation? Now, why must the baby boomers who bankrupted us still be the people in charge? Why can't they let it go? You know the remarkable thing? The Republicans have now crossed 218 votes. Uh, It has not been certified yet in California, but in fact it is true. No one expects them to undo it, that the Republicans have gotten to 218 votes. They will be taking the House of Representatives. And every single chairman of every single committee, listen to me, listen to this, every single chairman of every single committee will be younger than the Democratic chairman they're replacing. Oftentimes, by 30 years, the Republican chairman are younger than the Democratic chairman. By about 30 years. It's remarkable. The Democrats don't know when to hang it up. They don't know when to fade away. And the Republicans really are no better, slightly better, but not much. Why must we go backwards to go forwards? Why must we go back to a boomer when there's a Gen X or, God forbid, a millennial, but maybe even a millennial who might be able to have fresh ideas and move forward? Why are we playing by the same playbook? And so many of the regurgitated ideas now are ideas that failed 30 years ago. They're not going to work now. Uh, Zombie Reaganism seems to work better than Pat Buchanan Redux. It just seems like... There needs to be a passing of the torch, but I get it. We see this everywhere right now. We see it everywhere. We see it in the NFL with the old quarterbacks, not really sure that they can step away. And then some who did, and they've gone into other things. Drew Brees of the uh, New Orleans Saints decided to retire and become a football commentator. He wasn't very comfortable doing it. He didn't seem to like it. NBC didn't seem to be pleased with him, and he decided to go do something else. Matt Ryan of the Atlanta Falcons moved up to the Indianapolis Colts. I always assumed the problem with the Falcons was the team around Ryan and seeing his performance at the Indianapolis Colts. He seems to be a wonderful human being, but I may be past his prime, and, and now he's benched. But, of course, that leaves the question of what do you do afterwards? And, you know, I would my preference is to die behind this microphone if I can pull it off. If I can be at the top of my game and, and just die behind the microphone one day when I'm in my 70s, that would be great. I, I don't, I mean, unless I really suck and and have a, a, a massive change, career change in the future because my ratings plummet everywhere, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I want to grow the show. I want to make it a nationwide show. I mean, we're nationwide now, but we've got a few dozen stations. I want to be on hundreds of stations nationwide. I kind of want to be that voice that people in the wilderness who are like, what the hell is going on with with the world right now can tune into and kind of get a sense of what actually is going on. Not my spin, not my talking points, not my opinion, but let me just give you the honest view of what's going on in the world. 
I would love to do that. And then when I hit my 70s, before people can be tired of me, my body can give out, and one day I'll be talking mid-breath and keel over live on radio. I guess it's kind of gruesome to talk about, but I mean, I don't, I, I, I understand people who don't want to step away from it. Hear these stories all the time of people who retire and a week later they're dead. I get it. I don't think this is going to happen to Tom Brady. I don't think this is going to happen to Mitch McConnell. I don't think it's going to happen to Donald Trump or Joe Biden. Well, maybe for Joe Biden. But at some point, I do think in politics, the 80-year-olds need to say, okay, let's come up with a transition. Every major company in the world tries to come up with a transition plan. The United States is the biggest economy in the world. If you ran it like like a business, you would need to have a transition plan. Now, the voters do that to some degree, but the individual departments, the the Department of the Republicans in the Senate, the Department of the Democrats in the Senate, the the presidency, uh, we got to do better, guys. Having the 80-year-olds clinging to power is kind of embarrassing at this point. And again, I don't mean that disrespectfully, but if the 80-year-olds in charge are the best we can do as a nation, we've kind of failed to begin with. It's like going back to 2016. I told Jeb Bush himself, I said, look, I really do like you. I think you are a nice person. I remember wanting to go door-to-door for you when you ran for governor unsuccessfully against Lawton Childs. I just, I, I think the world of you, but I just think our country can do better than another Bush versus Clinton race. And he understood And I feel like the nation can do better than another Biden versus Trump race now. I understand Donald Trump is bored at Mar-a-Lago. And I understand he, like Tom Brady, has a fan base. But I also understand that maybe it's time to get some fresher, younger faces and ideas involved in politics. And maybe it's time to think, hmm, maybe we can get a Gen Xer or even a, a late millennial to be the face of the party, to bring in younger people who are leaving us behind, someone who can come in with more energy. I just kind of think that at some point, you got to start looking to the future and not looking to the past. And as long as we keep dwelling on the past, I don't think we can ask for a change in results. And I would like a change in results, particularly after what happened last Tuesday. Americans for Prosperity plays to win. That matters a lot to me. I know a lot of D.C.-based organizations that just want to pass paper around to other Beltway insiders or claim they speak for everyday Americans without ever having to leave Washington, D.C. Americans for Prosperity is different. They're not a think tank. They're grassroots do-tank. Americans for Prosperity is a -a one-of-a-kind, freedom-oriented, limited government advocacy and accountability organization that actually takes action to expand opportunity for all Americans and defend your freedom of speech. They're doing great work at all levels of government. What's their secret? Well, they don't really rely on Washington. They built a network of concerned citizens who are stepping up for freedom in communities all around the country. If you want to learn more, if you want to find out how to get involved with Americans for Prosperity with a chapter near you, and I assure you, they have a chapter near you, check them out at americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. That's americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program? Very happy to have you. We got other stuff we got to talk about, including this. NASA finally launched the Artemis rocket. 
finally launched the Artemis rocket. It was an impressive launch. I mean, this thing is massive. But it's also kind of sad in my mind. It was a, a gorgeous thing to see. I follow a guy. He's the, the photographer down there for NASA. Uh, his his wife is a listener. Takes gorgeous pictures. My goodness. Absolutely gorgeous pictures. In fact, one of them, I want to try to see if I can get a reprint of it. And my wife wants, or my wife, my daughter wants to be a rocket engineer. My wife suggested we see if we can try to license this picture, blow it up and frame it for a Christmas present in addition to the Taylor Swift tickets uh, that I've waited eight hours and finally was able to get last night. Good grief, what a disaster. There's just something sad, though, about the Artemis rocket. It was a, it's a essentially a subsidy to Boeing to keep Boeing going when there are now private sector companies that are outperforming the government subsidies to Boeing to get things off the ground. Uh, We seem not to really be innovating, but we're using our space program as a way to subsidize American corporations that are too big to fail, so to speak, and we probably need to let them fail. You know, they're already cautioning us that uh, this Artemis capsule probably isn't going to make it home, the Orion capsule, they call it. And the reason being really isn't necessarily their fault. They're trying to test it. Uh, It will be coming back into Earth at about 26,000 miles per hour. We have never designed something uh, by human hands that hits our atmosphere that fast and survives. And they're going to have to figure out how to make it work as it rapidly slows down and tries land. Maybe it will work. Maybe they'll get lucky. But it seems to me that we are using the space program as a subsidy to business and not as an innovator to get us into space. I'm fascinated by space and I'm okay using taxpayer dollars to fund the race to space in large part because I think we get a lot out of it. NASA, I think, has credibly made the case that so many of the technologies that we use these days were actually invented uh, to solve conundrums in space. And then out on the private sector market, uh, they've been able to, to improve our lives. The space race has been a generator of innovation. And what's disappointing here is that the space race now seems not to be a generator of innovation, but a subsidy of the status quo. I don't know that Boeing needs to be propped up by the government to do what it does, uh, to come in over budget, over price, and underperform with a rocket that has multiple times had to go back and forth to get fixed. Yes, it's a huge and giant and complicated project, but we now have SpaceX and Blue Origin and others regularly sending people into space, launching rockets and returning them to Earth, and NASA and, and this whatever it is, company that Boeing is a part of, seems to be behind. It seems to be a waste of taxpayer money. We should be going to space. We should go back to the moon. We should go to Mars. We should do it because America needs the challenge. We should harness the best minds and our abilities and get it done. And along the way, come up with new profound innovations that improve all of our lives into the 21st century. But I don't know that we should do it by subsidizing old businesses that seem out of ideas and now depend on the government subsidy, not really to innovate, but to repackage old things as new ideas. 
there are plenty of new ideas out there available for the space race, and we're seeing smaller upstarts take on those new ideas and make them prosper, while the old companies just kind of live off a status quo that probably, like so many old politicians, needs to be put to bed. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number, 877-973-7425. Let's talk about what happened in Poland. There was an explosion of some kind in Poland, and the initial reports that came out yesterday was a Russian missile went off course, hit grain silos, and killed two farmers. Uh, It appears to be something other than that, however. Uh, But this is President Biden speaking at the G20 about the issue. Is it too early to say whether this missile was fired from Russia? There is preliminary information that contests that. I don't want to say that till we completely investigate. But it, it is, uh, I, 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 it's unlikely in the minds of the trajectory that it was fired from Russia. But we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. So a, a missile was fired, and we're not really sure exactly what it was the ukrainians pounced immediately and said it was from russia it, it blew up in poland nato do something it appears that it could have been uh a missile defense system that went off in ukraine that hit a missile and then either sent that missile or parts of the anti-missile defense system into poland Uh, It appears to be a one-off thing. It appears to be an accident. It does not appear to be uh, an escalation of what is actually going on. Now, I bring all of these things up because the war in Ukraine doesn't seem to be going away and winter is coming. One of the fatal mistakes Joe Biden made in Afghanistan was withdrawing and retreating when he did. It is absolutely intellectually honest and true to say that Donald Trump wanted to leave Afghanistan too. There was a fundamental difference between Trump and Biden. Like with Trump, Joe Biden's advisor said, there's a fighting season and there's a winter season. You do not retreat during the fighting season. You wait for the winter season because that'll give the Afghans time to fortify positions before the Taliban shows up. And Joe Biden said, screw you all. I know best. Let's get out. And we got out in the middle of fighting season. 13 Americans lost their lives. Hundreds of Americans were left behind. And the Taliban swept into power before we were even out of the city of Kabul. In the history of war, there are winter seasons where soldiers rarely fight. Uh, Now, that has changed over time with modern warfare. Uh, You can fight through the winter, but it becomes more difficult. And in Ukraine in particular, in the winter and then in the spring, the snows and the ice cause so much mud, even the tanks can get stuck. And so they tend not to fight as much. And that may be the time and the Biden administration has urged the Ukrainians to actually work for a peace deal with the Russians during the winter, find some way to make peace. Uh, The Ukrainians at this point are being very insistent that there will be no peace. The the Russians must get out. 
if aid starts withdrawing, I don't know that they can do that. The Americans don't want to withdraw all the aid because they really do not want the Russians to be emboldened to continue. But this missile, whatever it was that landed in Poland, uh, more likely than not part of the Ukrainian missile defense system that was intercepting a Russian rocket, has exacerbated the situation and drawn tensions. The Ukrainians are saying it's Russian propaganda to say that it was Russians, but that's not really it necessarily. Um, it appears that it was something from Ukraine, not Russia. It appears that Ukraine overstated the case to begin with. The U.S. Army says it seems to be a mistake, whatever it was. Here's what I can tell you, though we still have to deal with Russia and China. We have a world where China and Russia wish to assert themselves against us. There is an isolationist strain that is developing on the American right that I don't think is very healthy for this reason. Historically, time and again, when the Americans become isolationist, bad things happen on planet Earth. When the United States didn't want to intervene uh, in the run-up to World War I, and then World War I happened, we finally had to get out of our isolationist position and go to Europe and help them end World War I. And then in World War II, we set it out and let the, the Nazis spread across the German or East uh, European continent. We let the Japanese spread across the Pacific, double down, entrench their positions. And only then when we were attacked, did we come into it. And it took us a whole lot longer to push everybody back. And then we kind of led the world after that. And now we've had a, an easy season of good economy, the collapse of the Berlin Wall, the retreat of the communist states. And in those good times, we kind of got self-obsessed, introverted, ready to stop being on the world stage. We forgot, we have forgotten that the world needs us to lead. And I understand the sentiment. We have a $30, billion, $30 trillion national debt. We have problems at home. But I think what the isolationists forget is that our problems at home do not abdicate us from dealing with the problems abroad. We have to be able to do both, and a strong nation can do both. The Chinese do not want to be a regional power. The Chinese wish to be the global superpower. And there are some on the left and the right of this country that say, let them, let China be dominant. It's easy to say, let them be dominant when you do not have to deal with the consequences of a dominant Chinese state. You essentially, you're, you're doing what Stacey Abrams did in Georgia. And Stacey Abrams said that uh, despite historically high turnout of the black community in the 2022 election, there was voter suppression. Trying to claim something that you can't disprove. There's no evidence of voter suppression, but she can claim it and people buy it up. You can claim that the world would be just fine if the United States sent back and let China run everything. But, you know, we, we got concentration camps in China full of dissidents who are being killed on a daily basis and re-education camps of, of religious minorities. And that all strongly suggests, no, the world would not be fine if we sat back and let China dominate. 
Not only that, the Chinese would start getting the favorable trading deals, not us. The Chinese would be put in a position where they could have their view of the world run supreme. There are a lot, there's a, I shouldn't say a lot, but there is a growing strain of the American population that really is not into liberal democracy these days. Why? Because they view themselves as being on the losing side of culture. There is this strain of victimhood on the right these days that views the, the rise of the drag queen story hour as, as somehow an, an admission against interest that the right has lost culturally in this country, we might as well hand it over to the Chinese and be subservient to them because they'll stamp it all out. All the cultural things we hate, the Chinese communists hate too. But you know what the communist Chinese hate even more? Jesus. All of you people who think you'd be fine letting the Chinese run roughshod over the rest of us don't understand what the Chinese do to religious dissidents. And for the young American bucks who are so brave to say, well, persecution makes a stronger church, you go first. I don't really want to be subjected to the persecution that comes from a Chinese global superpower. One of the side effects of this is that people seize on these little stories and build conspiracy theories out of them. Candace Owens, who I, I'm no fan of Candace Owens, she is out trying to peddle a conspiracy theory now about the Ukrainians, and I'm sure it'll take off. There's this certain strain of conservative on Twitter. They don't really give a damn what the truth is, so long as they can get some attention for their crazy conspiracy theories and maybe lead a few people astray and claim to be truth tellers. They're pied pipers of lies, leading people off a cliff. I kind of think Candace Owens is one of them. She tweeted out, Ukraine is an intelligence operation, full stop. Hence the Operation Mockingbird level of support of Zelensky. Yesterday was an attempted false flag that fell apart only because of citizen journalists identifying the aircraft. This is why they want to control the internet. It sounds great if you're a crackpot kook, but she really doesn't know what the hell she's talking about. These people who go online and establish their personalities, they get their blue check mark and they claim to be some sort of authority. There were no citizen journalists. It was experts in the establishment who identified what the pieces were that fell. It wasn't an aircraft. It was an air defense missile targeting system of inbound missiles. But who cares what the truth is when you can sound like you're cool and hip and in the know on Twitter and lead people astray? This is one of the worst parts of social media. These people who willfully, knowingly lie in order to build an audience and then delude people and pull them astray into conspiracy fever dreams and down rabbit holes where reality is turned upside down. And we're seeing this more and more. And it's another reason why the United States cannot uh, sit back and let the Chinese grow strong. Anyone out there who thinks the United States should sit back and let another superpower be dominant should not be trusted, frankly. The United States is the last best hope for mankind. We are the home of the free and the land of the brave. And when it comes to Ukraine... It is far better for us to support the Ukrainians fighting the Russians than for us to have to fight the Russians ourselves because the Russians have the intent to grow strong again and spread out their influence and that eventually will bring them into conflict with NATO. And contrary to what you might hear from some people on TV or on the internet, NATO is actually a good thing. The Western Alliance is a good thing. The Western Alliance has held the peace in Europe since World War II. 
and it's only starting to come unraveled because the Western alliances seem to be weakened and Vladimir Putin thought he could take advantage of it, but it turns out the Western alliance is pretty strong and the Chinese need to see that as well. The Chinese are a threat to us. The Chinese are not collaborators. They are not trade partners with us. They are the enemy. And the sooner we realize that, the sooner we will be better off, the sooner you get off TikTok and cancel your account because TikTok is actually part of the Chinese communist regime's attempt to spy on us and brainwash our kids with deluded algorithms, luring them into nonsense, the better off we'll all be. They are not our friends. The world is headed into profoundly unstable times. And I would submit to you, we need the stability of the United States on top of the world order as a good thing for the whole world and for us to be able to live our lives. We do not want the instability. We do not need the instability. We should not maintain or subsidize or give in to the instability of a world where the United States is not the world leader. The Chinese are desperate for us to abdicate our role. The Russians are too. And that should tell you everything you need to know. Yes, I think you can have concerns with the amount of money we're spending in Ukraine. You can have concerns with a blank check. But if you want to get rid of it altogether, if you want to let the Russians have at it, I think you're foolish. It might be a little hostile to America on the world stage. And I think you have the, the ability to sit back and say all the things you say because you never, you don't think you'll have to deal with the consequences. The consequences of an emboldened Russia and an emboldened China on the world stage. It would be bad for all of us, yourselves included. You're not going to find a way to accommodate a Chinese communist state and a Russian authoritarian state when you value yourself as an American. American values are incompatible with the authoritarianism of China and Russia. And the sooner you realize that, the sooner you realize we're better off standing up for free nations instead of sitting back and saying, all right, China, we've had enough. It's your turn. Yeah, the 80-year-old politicians probably need to learn how to hang it up and retire. The United States needs to learn how to double down, innovate, and stay at the top of our game. The world depends on it. One of the organizations that is committed to free markets and free people as we all should be as Americans for prosperity. They have been around for more than a decade. They are not a think tank, they are a do tank. They go into states and they build local chapters and they teach you how to become better at what you do as a conservative activist. They give you the research, not the white paper trade in Washington. They provide you the information to sharpen your arguments and better your game. They're a great organization of which I am a member of their advisory board and a fellow in the organization. I, I look. I've loved AFP for years. They were one of the original groups who understood the Tea Party and helped get the Tea Party off the ground. They got a lot of blame. The Koch brothers did through AFP for helping get the Tea Party off the ground. The Tea Party has been far more effective than the MAGA movement, frankly. Uh, they got a bunch of people elected to Congress and were able to move the GOP to the right in a way that the MAGA movement has not in the last couple of years. Americans for Prosperity has long been committed to free markets and free people. They're committed to making you a better conservative citizen activist. If you want to join, go to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. americansforprosperity.org slash AFP. They're happy to have you grow their chapters, build their chapters, get the training and education to be a conservative activist to fight for free markets and free people. americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. I hope you have enjoyed the show today. All right, we got to move on to other stuff now. I, I got to go back to 
Well, this, Raphael Warnock on Sunday said people who criticize his church for evicting residents from its low-income apartment building, quote, attack the Church of Jesus Christ and are motivated by the, quote, rulers of the darkness of the world. Warnock has come under fire following a Washington Free Beacon report that the Ebenezer Baptist Church, where he serves as senior pastor, owns an apartment building that moved to evict residents during the pandemic for as little as $28.55 in past due rent. Warnock on Sunday alluded to the criticisms while delivering a sermon at Ebenezer, telling the congregation he was, quote, troubled by the folk who have the nerve and the unmitigated audacity to attack the church, the spiritual home of Martin Luther King Jr., America's Freedom Church. He did not disclose the identities of his foes or the natures of their attacks, but his comments came two days after the Free Beacon reported that Georgia's Secretary of State is weighing whether to file a formal subpoena against a charity controlled by Warnock's church for failing to cooperate with an inquiry into the charity registration. Walker or Warnock's Republican opponent, Herschel Walker, on Thursday launched the Evict Warnock bus tour. Warnock dodged questions about the eviction throughout October, but on Sunday, while he preached at his church, the Democrats suggested something nefarious was at play. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, against the rulers of the darkness of the world, against the spiritual wickedness in high places that create hellish situations and then cause a lot of folk to bite one another. They attach themselves, even in church, sometimes especially in church, they poison the warmth of the fellowship with vicious, venomous words. So you should know I got emails from people and several of them said, wouldn't it be better if we just let Warnock stay in Washington and get him out of the church? That's the problem. Warnock is double dipping. He is he is still the senior pastor. He hasn't given up the pulpit to be in Washington. He's doing both. And instead of paying him a salary, they're now paying him a $7,417 a month tax-free housing allowance. That's right. They're still paying him. Um, y'all, you got to go vote for Herschel Walker. And I know some of you really don't want to. I, I, I get it. You're tired. You're tired. But every seat the GOP gets, including this one, is one less seat it has to worry about in 2024. And also, it takes someone who uses Jesus's name badly and takes him out of the pulpit or takes him out of the Senate. They'll keep him in the pulpit. You can't get rid of him in the pulpit. But Warnock is out of step with Georgia voters. Warnock is out of alignment with where Georgia is headed. Warnock is too extreme for Georgia in his religious, theological, and, and political views. And Walker, as a generic Republican, frankly, would be better than what Warnock is offering the state of Georgia. So please vote in the runoff for Herschel Walker. I know some of you are exhausted by it. But please, please go vote for Herschel Walker. The runoff is December 6th. See you guys tomorrow.